0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the South Bay Show, Manhattan Beach Chamber 360, on November 30th, 2018. Live, love, laugh, and leave a legacy. That's what we do here in the South Bay of Los Angeles, and it's a beautiful place to do just that. I'm your host, Joe Terry, and you can read all about our many adventures on Facebook. The South Bay Show is
2: brought to you by the Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce. The Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce has been serving the city of Manhattan Beach for over 60 years, and they are dedicated to promoting a strong local economy by supporting the community, providing valuable business connections, and representing business with government. The Chamber Staff is focused on providing its membership with the tools and resources to help businesses grow and thrive within the community. Their goal is to continually support the individual efforts of business as they work to support the growth of the local economy. For more information on how the Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce is working with member businesses and the city of Manhattan Beach to support that growth, visit the website at manhattanbeachchamber.com or call 310 310- Five four
1: I'm your host, Joe Terry, and you can read all about our many adventures on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The South Bay Show. Persistence, passion, principle, and purpose. That's what we talk about here in The South Bay Show. Joining us today as President and CEO of the Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce, Mr. Mark Lips. And, of course, with us because of our great partnership with South Bay by Jackie.com and executive producer of the South Bay show, Jackie Balestra. Hey, Jackie, Mark, how are you guys doing today?
2: Good uh, morning, I'm Joe. Doing, I'm considering everything, I'm doing well. What happened with that commercial just now? It just I, I I, it delayed it. on its own. I don't know. Oh, that's weird. Oh, okay. Well, you yeah. know, the joy, the joy of technical stuff. Yeah. So, was anybody's umbrellas upended
3: last night uh, out on the patios or
2: (laughs) pillows everywhere? Was that unbelievable last night? I mean, it was downright blustery out there last night. I I mean, it was it was like an East Coast storm. It was great.
3: Yeah, Yeah. I enjoy it.
2: I enjoyed it too. Well, I dressed for it. It's amazing to me how many people do not dress for the weather. It, you know, people walking around in flip flops and T-shirts. I was like, really? I had a boots <laughs> and a rain flicker and hood. Um, so I, it have was to, a yeah, cold I have to. Yeah, I have to, It was cold. I have to tell you. So last night, um, there were. Last night was kind of, you know, the holiday season really kicked off last night because uh, mm-hmm. several places had big events. I know Mark, the chamber, had their big party last night. Yep. Um, El Segundo had their big open house uh, event. And then, of course, you had the Riviera Village Holiday Stroll, which is always a huge right. event. And I had another event to go to at 730. So I went down early. Um, I walked down and I, I make my rounds. You know, I go into all the shops, you know, where, you know, anybody I know when I stop in, I spread my own special form of holiday cheer. Um, mm-hmm. And I, 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 I was walking by H.T. Grill and saw a whole bunch of people I knew out there. So I stopped in to say Hi and i and and we were all standing on the patio, and the parade literally just finished. They went by us, all right, and mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. sky opened up and it poured
0: it yep. i mean it right. just
2: came down and and i mean within seconds, people were soaking wet, everybody was trying to run inside it was so funny uh but mm-hmm. but a uh, lot of fun, a lot of fun you know that that's always a fun event and um and then after that I had to uh I, I I was invited to this private event over at Nordstrom's last night, so I invited a couple of girlfriends. It was this private shopping event, so I went over there afterwards, which was a lot of fun. Whoever invented uh, sipping and shopping should get like the Nobel Prize of it for something because you know that's that's just too much fun. So that's a, a private <laughs> invitation only shopping event. Yeah, yeah, they shut the store down, and and uh, uh, there was a line at seven thirty. We arrived there at seven thirty. There was a line snaking through the through the mall, and uh, but it moved pretty fast. It wasn't it wasn't a ton of right. people. I mean, it's a big store, so well, is that it was for, a lot. Of-
3: like if Nordstrom, like card holders, or how do they choose?
2: Well, it's called. I the guess Nordi I'm trying Club. to get on that list. <laughs> it's called the Nordy Club, and I don't know if oh, that's okay. something that you have to sign up for, yeah. or if you. I don't know, spend so much on your card, your automatic. I don't know how it works. You can probably look it up online, but uh that right. that was a ton of fun, but the best part Nordy is Club. somewhere somewhere between leaving the holiday stroll and going to Nordstroms, I lost my readers.
3: Oh. Okay. And
2: I had no, I had no idea how dependent I am on them because I I got up this morning I mean, I can't see my computer. I can't see my phone. I can't see any. So mm-hmm. at at six fifty nine, I was standing at the door of CVS, saying open, open, open. <laughs> and as soon as they opened, I was the first one in. I had a, I was, I was in my pajamas. I threw a coat on, and, and I was like open, open, open. <laughs> so uh, I had to run in and get readers, so I could do the show this morning. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to well, read the no, intro or anything. You got to buy more than one pair. Right. I've never had. I've only had one pair of readers my whole yeah. existence. Well, unless they're I've special never... readers, but I always, when I
3: was using those uh, uh, or have used them. If I wear my contacts, I need readers. I, you know, I have a pair in the car. I have a pair, you know, everywhere, just in case yeah, I, I only them. So.
2: I need to do that. Keep a pair in my desk, keep a pair of my, in my purse, one in my car. But listen, Mark, there's something I wanted to mention. Um that Cyber Monday you, goes all week now. Okay, well, so does Holy Black cow. Friday. Black Friday-less Friday last <laughs> it Um so do you remember that art installation in Manhattan Beach? Um, I believe it was I think it was like a year ago, February. Um, on thirty mm-hmm. fifth street, the house that uh one of the guys that used, grew up there he had yep. installed he he blew up these giant photographs from his Pictures, childhood right. and he yes, yeah, yeah, and he installed them all over the house, so the whole house was mm-hmm. covered with all these photographs right. it, his, his name is Gary Sweeney, he grew up there right, and mm-hmm. uh, it, so he did this art installation. it was so cool. um my husband and I went down one night and he was there, and you know we got to mm-hmm. chat with him and tour the whole place anyway yep. he's uh, he's come out with a book uh Manhattan Beach Memoir. It, it's called Manhattan Beach Memoir. Artist Gary Sweeney says goodbye to his childhood home, and it's yeah. based on his his art installation, um, Manhattan Beach Memoir, 1945 to 2015. So I just want right. to let you know that it just came out. You can get it on Amazon. I think it would make a great Wait. gift
3: for yeah, anybody. Yeah. Now,
2: what is what is he calling it? It's called Manhattan Beach Memoir.
3: Manhattan Beach Memoir. Or, okay.
2: Ma- Manhattan Beach memoir artist Gary Sweeney says goodbye to his childhood home.
3: Yeah, and you know and, his dad was
2: I, Mike Sweeney,
3: who had yes. the hardware store on the north end for yes. just ever. So.
2: Well, he was a he was an LAPD detective. He was he was on the city council for like twenty years. He was mayor a bunch mm-hmm. of times. He,
0: mm-hmm. And then I
2: guess after he retired from the police force, he opened up his hardware store. Uh, mm-hmm. He 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 coached little league. He he was a den yeah. leader. You know. Very, very, very involved in the community. Anyway, um, yep. it's out now, and I think it would make a great gift for anybody, a particularly long-time Manhattan Beach president. Yeah, I had no idea and, that he had done that. That's great. Well, he, he just came out with the book. He just The book just yeah. came out. I post the information on my website, so um, okay. all the information is there. There's a nice video there uh, in my article that you can click on, and, and, and there's a nice uh, like trailer video about the art installation. So um, I wanted to get what, that out and let you know. What's the name about of it.
1: the book, cool. Jackie? What's the name
2: it's of the book? Manhattan, it's called Manhattan Beach Memoirs by Gary Sweeney.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. So you can either Google okay. Gary Sweeney or, or – yeah. it's, it's, it's on Amazon. It's on Amazon. A, yeah. It's yeah. 45 Well, you know, bucks I'm trying to put down – I'm trying – in my Happy Friday, I'm trying to put, you know, unique little gifts like the bubble has yeah. the t- their 2019 calendar, calendar you know, which is kind of fun. Uh, that's Ian, freshman. So um, uh, get a hold of him. Well,
2: that's, I said that. that this morning, that's why I mentioned this, because I thought you, you'd be interested right. in it. I, so. I, yeah, I definitely. Well, in any
3: of Jan Dennis's books, uh, or mm-hmm. she has cards too, playing cards that uh, have pictures of historical pictures of Manhattan Beach on each, uh, each uh, card. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's always, there's a bunch of fun uh, Manhattan Beach themed gifts, as I'm sure there is for Hermosa and Redondo and other places. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm now so trying, I, I, as a member of the I Hometown wanna... Fair Board, I'm trying to now gather pictures of the Hometown Fair going back in a day. I mean, in the digital world, yeah. going back the last few years, we've got tons of pictures. But I'm talking about, you know, in the 70s and 80s, early 90s, uh, um, if anybody's got pictures of when we had the elephant, the chili cook-off, when the parties were in the street we did before the beer garden you know you, you literally on valley with beer in your hand i mean it was open Jerry. It was pretty wild but, you know <laughs> that's why eventually it became a, well no eventually it became a beer garden because uh, you know they ended up finally realizing in the air of their ways when people started you know it just got bigger and bigger and wilder and wilder and you know pretty soon and the chili cook-off has its stories too where you know famous for uh you know you you tasting chili, and, and it had been spiked. You know, and so people were uh, spiking chili and, don't forget, and doing all kinds of-
2: Don't forget, we need pictures from the elephant rides.
3: I'm sure people well, that's have what I meant. The elephant, when we had the elephant, before PETA came in, uh, you know, the camel and all of those things. Uh, but, I you know, remember the elephant. Away? Yeah. Boy,
2: I tell you something, yeah. that PETA just ruins it for everybody, don't they?
3: Yeah, damn <laughs> the safety of those animals. So, Dang.
2: the... Uh, um, but... You know, I'm sure
3: we, we still have animals. Uh, we just don't have an can so It is yeah, you can't exactly. One of the best things I like to do at the hometown fair, I always run over because um, we're all w- running around doing our thing, whatever our task is. But I always make sure I'm there to unload the animals from the truck and bring them over to their pens. So, I mean, I'm carrying baby pigs and, it's just <laughs> fun.
2: I mean, how often do you get
3: to carry a baby pig, you know, or a goat that's or not, I, I whatever. can't say
2: that I've ever done that. I've never done that. Yeah. So
3: there you go. It's fun. Those little okay. teeny pigs, you know, you forget that they're going to get really big. It's like looking at a puppy, always thinking that that's what it's going to be. And, and so you get it and you realize, oh, shoot, this is going to be a 120-pound mastiff, you know. the. Uh, Did you
2: uh, and I don't know how big those a- pigs get,
3: but it's, it's when they're little like that, they're pretty cute. You wish they could just stay like they're- that.
2: They're all cute. Did you have to carry one of those 40-pound rabbits? Oh, no. They have regular rabbits. Those okay. rabbits,
3: uh, no. They, they have regular rabbits. But, yeah, you do have those rabbits. Um, or you do have rabbits, but not those big yeah, monsters. Monster. I mean,
2: so yeah. I want to he- hear about the party last night. How was it? The party was great. You know what, we, what
3: I did last last night, which, you know, if you're a millennial, you've never heard of this. But you all remember the Yule log, right? Um, so mm-hmm. on the big screen coming down um, uh, in the room, I uh, hooked the computer up and had the Yule log on the screen, full screen. So it looked like we had this nice fire at the end of the room, which was pretty cool, and, you know, in dim lighting and all that. So that was very fun. Uh, but when I first showed a Yule log, Carolina was, Yule log, what's that? I said, well, before cable, you know, during the <laughs> holiday season when there were only three networks. And they closed off. A lot of times they closed off with the test pattern and then put on the Yule log for all night. <laughs> so, yeah, it's funny. You know. It's
2: funny how many people don't remember this stuff. You want to know that? Yeah. That's funny that you mentioned that because last night when I was walking down to the holiday stroll, I was walking down my street, and one of my neighbors across the street, they have a big picture window, and they didn't have the curtains closed. And they mu- it must be a 70-inch or a 90-inch TV screen up on the wall, and they had yeah. the Yule log going. They had the u log right. going.
3: And and that's what um, um well maybe they were going to have a party or something because you know the screen that we had that we were, was one of those big huge projector screens and it was full screen ULA <laughs> so it was very fun
2: was it warm yeah. was no it, really it was cozy? a good time we had a, we had about
3: a hundred hundred people there and uh, you know they would come in I say go warm yourself by the fire and uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, you know fire marshal never showed up which was good. But, uh, no, it was very fun. I had, listen, I had a magician there, uh, Paul and Todd and, and, and it's for the Todd Elliott entertainment, but Paul is this old guy. I mean, really old guy. Uh, like one of those grizzled former vaudevillian type guys, you know, he's wearing these outlandish <laughs> magician outfit and all of that. And, but really, really old. And, and, uh, uh I met him at bite at the beach when Todd brought him over just to run him around the bite at the beach and all this. So this time I hired him to come over and, and the sleight of hand, I mean, I don't know how these guys do it. It's amazing. Like he would say, he would say, uh, he'd look at two people and pick a card, pick a card, pick a card, and they would pick a card and then he, you know, they'd put them back in the deck and shuffle them and all that. And then he'd say, I think they're over there and over on the floor. Like, Four feet away, five yeah. feet away are the two cards. I'm going, how? How did you do that? And then one point, uh, he, I said, okay, these cards are marked. He said, okay, I'll shut my eyes. And he shut his eyes, and he had, he said, but it all comes from, vi-, you know, then he starts playing the game. It all comes from vibrations. And shut your eyes. I said, now pick a card. I pick a card. And he goes, okay, now let me feel your finger. And he held my finger. And his eyes are shut and his partner had actually um I mean, actually put a card, even reinforced couldn't see, put a card between you know, a big big piece of uh uh paper between his eyes and my face, even though he was shutting that. And um uh and he says, Okay, based on the vibrations, that is ace of clubs. Holy cow yeah. <laughs> how, do, how do they do this? Amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know,
3: he would. Uh, yeah. He would. Well, that's why they're, they're called magicians. Oh, magic. the other one he did. The other one he did was he would say, "Pick a card." You would pick a card, and he'd say, "Okay, oh, you're a joker, aren't you?" And he'd <gasps> lift up his foot, and on the bottom of his shoe would be the guy's card, a joker. Yeah. I mean, it, how did he get that on the bottom of
2: his shoe? <laughs> I don't know how he does it's magic it's magic no but physically how do you do that uh, don't ask me I mean,
3: I mean he didn't reach down and put him <laughs> his, he just lifted up his leg and it's no. there going how right how does he physically do that does he keep these cards all different okay the joker will always live on the bottom of my foot the ace <laughs> of spades i will have under my head hair you know or something i mean just it blows me away but they would walk they they walked around and did all this slide of pad which was just so fun and then latrice McLaughlin, we had her sing a couple of we put up on the big screen a couple of karaoke tunes you know maliki kind of uh, maliki mata you know the merry christmas Hawaiian song.
2: melika 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 Mel- With Melakaliki Maka.
3: and we all yeah. did so everybody did a sing along and and uh that was fun we gave away some gifts and um, did some networking games and st- well, we did a networking bingo, and if you won, you you know you, uh, you got a prize. So it was very
2: fun, very fun. A
3: couple so, City Council.
2: I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry I missed it. But, you know that's the problem yeah. with the, you know the two yeah. weeks after 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 Thanksgiving, from from Thanksgiving to December fifteenth, it's just wall to wall events. I uh, mean, I uh, know m- mm-hmm. that's why we always <laughs> try to do nice.
3: yeah. We always try to do our party this this week after Thanksgiving because it just gets totally crazy yeah. going forward. Yeah. So we do it the very end of December. Well, you know
1: that 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 was fascinating and that that was fun uh, <laughs> to hear. Now we're going to talk about something that's really um, Mark. You you're heavily involved with this, I guess, because uh, it involves the chamber specifically. Uh, uh, in uh, doing marketing activities for the Chamber. Uh, Jackie, who's our guest today?
2: Our guest this morning is Ed Berzminski of Chamber Marketing Partners, Inc., uh, born in Massachusetts, Ed moved to Los Angeles in 1991 and has been a South Bay resident since 2001. He built Chamber Marketing Partners, a business helping local chambers of commerce throughout the U.S. Publish, publishing magazines where local businesses can tell their story, where chambers can promote community and help build strong local economies. These publications tell positive stories about their communities and provide a platform for business to promote themselves to local residents, businesses, newcomers, and visitors. Now, on another note, Ed is a child of Holocaust survivors, but not in the usual sense. His father was Jewish, and his mother was Catholic. Now, both parents survived World War II in southeastern Poland, where his mom, Stephanie Podgorska, along with her preteen sister, hid 13 Jews in her attic for nearly two years, rescuing them from certain death by the Nazis. Now, one of the rescued, Max Diamant, married... Uh, his mother, Stefa- Stefania. Now, Max changed his name to a very Pol- Polish-sounding, Joseph Berzmicki, and they eventually emigrated to the United States where he opened a dental practice in Boston. Now, so we're going to have kind of a split show today. We're going we're gonna to talk a little business, and then we're going to get into this fascinating story uh, about Ed's parents. Um, welcome to the program, Ed. We're so glad you could join us this morning.
0: Thank you. I'm happy to be here. <clears throat> Thank you very
1: much. And uh, it is fascinating. I did watch the little uh, uh, Oprah segment uh, about your mom and dad and uh, the – I guess it was the dedication of the uh, Holocaust uh, Memorial Museum in Washington, D.C., at which your uh, mom and dad spoke. So uh, I could do a little research and and learn more about um, their experience. But let's talk about Chamber Marketing Partners. What is Ed? What is Chamber
0: Marketing Partners? So, Chamber Marketing Partners is a company that um, primarily helps chambers of commerce and um, visitors bureaus around the country help their member businesses grow and tell their stories. You know, from from. One of my passions is, is uh, listening to business people talk about what they do, uh, and I like to ask them, how do they promote their business? How do they uh, uh, let people know that they exist? Because anybody can open up a shop, but if you don't tell people what you do and who you are, you're mm-hmm. not going to get a lot of business. So it kind of Mm -hmm. makes my socks go up and down every uh, every time I talk to somebody, and I come up with strategies, and I like to challenge them about how they can promote themselves. So Chamber Marketing Partners helps Chambers produce these publications that are like a forum, they're a platform for business people to tell their story, to get their message out. And um, I've always enjoyed magazines. Um, I'm not a big novel reader, but I like snippets of information. So magazines have been a big part of my life. Um, I still have my subscription uh, to popular science and popular mechanics ever since I was a kid. So I kind of apply mm-hmm. that to these Chamber of Commerce publications where we tell a really good positive story about a community and help drive more business to these business people and help the local economy grow. That's kind of what I enjoy doing with Chamber Marketing Partners. So, yeah, lots of I, I got to tell
3: you. yeah. Well, Mark? It, you know, we first got involved with Ed uh, with our last publication of our destination guide, which is the Manhattan Beach guide, um, and we have the pier and the picture in the front. Uh, but to Ed's point: we've got an article in there about uh, what to do in forty-eight hours in Manhattan. We've got an article in there about the, the kind of the history or the uh, talking about the North End of Manhattan. Uh, there's an article about uh, all the different neighborhoods in Manhattan and historically uh, how that all came about. You know, Sand Section, the Gaslight District, uh, the Hill Section, the Tree Section—all these different areas. Um, and I got to tell you, I when I first started here, we had a magazine. It was, you know, it was okay. But this one, we have to restock, and this is just uh, in the the the. Uh, the I don't know, the kiosk outside our, our chamber office, we have to restock that two or three times a week to, to, with, with more magazines, only because people are just like flying off the shelves. And I think that's because people love that local flavor that this model brings to it. It also, and because <laughs> it brings to it, it gives the chamber more opportunity, more control, more uh, involvement, engagement in, in making it happen in the creative of, of, of the magazine itself. You know mm-hmm. an
0: important thing so, uh, about that process is is to make sure that the members and the advertisers are able to see value and you know one of the things that along with mark 's um, help talking about the neighborhoods uh, that was new in this publication because people who are who are local you know they know the, the neighborhoods, but people who are visiting or considering relocating well we 're going to relocate to Manhattan Beach well what you don 't know is well Manhattan beach has Many different, several different neighborhoods. So, where in Manhattan Beach are you going to relocate to? So that's that was kind of the genesis of the um, uh, of the neighborhood section.
3: And the nice Mm -hmm. thing is too, we used all local writers mm -hmm. to do the articles. So you know, we also also believe in in hiring local, Uh, and so these were local writers. Uh, Mark McDermott of the Easy Reader, Kevin Wilkerson uh, uh, was a local writer here, uh, entertainment writer. Um, So. That was nice, too.
1: Yeah, I'm, what 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 I want to get to, though, Ed, is that, you know, the people who listen to this and and they maybe have the magazine or maybe they'll go to the chamber office and they'll pick it up because they want to see what we're talking about. How do you – I mean, there are businesses, there are companies that specialize in doing marketing, and lots of small businesses – are inundated with, you know, all kinds of material and solicitations from companies to help them market both in print and online, do Facebook advertising and so forth. How do you differentiate what you do in helping chambers help their members market their businesses from what all these other businesses out there are doing?
0: Well, that's a very good question. Um, we've been producing, quote, publications for an awfully long time. And with our digital media, we're inundated with digital media. We also have a digital component of the magazine that's available on the Chamber's website at www.manhattanbeach.com, where people can flip through the digital publication. And in this next edition, we'll actually have a website that's based around the content of this publication, uh, and that it won't be live yet. It'll be live in January, February at the latest. That'll be Manhattan, uh, ManhattanBeachTheGuide.com. So there are digital components to this, but one of the things that's interesting is even though people say, well, print is a dying medium, uh, in certain cases that's true. It's migra- local news, for instance, or national news has been migrating to the Internet and digital world but in the Chamber of Commerce world, you're telling a story about a community, and um, a lot of people who are visiting or coming to a hotel, they'll pick up a magazine. Magazines actually uh, are, are more valued. There have been studies that show that they're more valued, even by millennials. Interestingly enough, because millennials know that when something is put on the internet, anybody can put anything on the internet, and it doesn't necessarily need to be validated. But the perception is that when something is put into print, it's gone through multiple uh, 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 iterations of editing, proofreading, and fact-checking, so millennials even tend to believe more what's in print and it's much more visible. You've got to tie these together, the printed publication together with the digital component so that you reach multiple audiences. But you don't want to take away, say, a member benefit or a a mode of connecting with people um, by not doing print because there are still a lot of people that do consume print and they enjoy it that way. So we try to do it along multiple um, distribution channels. One of the other things that you'll notice in this publication, if, if uh, you know, our listeners will see it online or pick it up, uh, on page 31 of the current publication, NW Real Estate Brokers, um, he's an advertiser, he's a, a local real estate broker. He has an advertorial, which is a little different than, than a regular advertisement. An advertorial tells a story in a narrative article format. So he can talk about his business. He can talk about what's important, kind of like in an editorial way. People like to hear stories. People like to tell their story. So that's a great way for a business to promote themselves. So what makes us different? We try to connect people. We try to have people tell their stories and listen to what that particular community needs and what's important for that community. For instance, There's an adage in the chamber business, if you've seen one chamber, you've seen one chamber. Because each city, each community has a different purpose, a different reason, something that's important for them. What's important for Manhattan Beach may not necessarily be the same thing that's important in El Segundo. So we've got to tailor that message and tailor that story and listen to what the audience is looking for and put together that kind of a publication. Mm -hmm. Fantastic,
1: and Mark, I have to say, mm-hmm. at the manhattanbeachchamber.com dot com website, at the manhattanbeachchamber.com dot com website, that video, LA neighborhoods, Manhattan Beach, that is um. When did that go
3: up? Uh, we that went up. Jeez, I mean, it was. Right around the time of the magazine, right, Ed? We because we, what we yeah. did was we had a photographer go around and, and uh, shoot all the neighborhoods, and um, um and then we uh, uh, created that video. So, um, yeah, it was in the summer sometime, late summer. You know, and it's Manhattan Beach video. is such it's a such a
0: hidden gem. I'm sorry, Manhattan yeah. Beach is such a hidden gem. Uh, it's a beautiful community. And, you know, we like to keep it kind of a hidden gem, but people do like to come and visit, it's a gorgeous place to visit. It's an even more gorgeous place to live.
3: And, you know, it's interesting uh, when you do in this 3.6 mile area, when, when you, and
0: that's what we want to share with people is
3: you decide what you want. Um, if you're visiting here and you're looking and you're wanting to move here. Uh, you're able to pick up this magazine and you read these articles about the different neighborhoods or what to do in 48 hours. And, and it kind of gives you a, a flavor, a tone. Uh, but as far as the neighborhoods concerned, for instance, if, if you want to live in the sand section, you want, you know, be right next door to your neighbor and, and uh, I mean, right up, you know, right next door. Uh, uh, but you can also go into the poet streets where you actually have, you know, an acre of land or, uh, you know, huge, huge properties. And and that's what we are trying to let people we're trying to be um a real informational and guidepost and do it in engaging um in, in just in an engaging way that, that will capture people's attention and, and they'll want to read these magazines. And uh, yeah. uh so far the, the so far it's worked. This business model works. Um so yes.
0: it's been great. There's one little this article in there as well model. for people who are who are uh, looking to relocate or are visiting and potentially relocating. There's an article that is twelve steps to starting a business in Manhattan Beach. Say um, mm-hmm. a spouse uh, moves to Manhattan Beach because of work. Well, what's the other spouse going to do? Uh, they may or may not be able to find a job. A lot of spouses yeah. now are starting home-based businesses. So this uh, this mm-hmm. article in here tells you how to do it properly and benefit from the chamber of commerce to help your small business or your home-based business grow the chamber is a great way to uh have resources and get connected with people to help your business grow
3: we already have a great article for next next year's uh guide uh it's written by a lady who for a few years her password her password she lived in texas i think uh, but her password was moving to Manhattan beach or, or yeah, moving to Manhattan beach. And so she said it because re- that's what was my destination. That was my goal. And it just reinforced every time I put in my password that that's what I'm, that's, that's what I'm striving for. That's what I'm working for is I want to move to mm. Manhattan beach because she had visited mm. here many times. And she's going to do she – she's also a writer, and she's going to write – she's written a story, actually. We have to edit it, but uh, she sent uh, a story to me about how not living here, but her goal was to move here and then moving here, driving across country to Manhattan Beach and then getting to Manhattan Beach and going and visiting all these stores and where the touchstones were in the, in the areas that and how she chose a place to live and all of those things. So that's going to be a fascinating
2: uh, piece of next, in the yeah. Next that guide. sounds that sounds like something I'd enjoy. That sounds good. Hey, yeah. listen, Joe, let's uh, let's do a quick uh, station break.
1: Right, let's do that, and then uh, we'll uh, we'll change uh, the topic and the the dynamic. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the South Bay Show, and we're having a very dynamic discussion about the the chamber and about chamber marketing partners. Uh, Ed Berminsky is uh Berzminski is is a uh, uh, company Chamber Marketing Partners and they are doing a fabulous job. You can find out more by contact, contacting the chamber at uh com. We're going to be switching gears and talking about a new topic uh that I think is uh fascinating before that we, I think you'll, you'll we... really be fascinating
2: Yes. Before exactly. we move on, I just have to ask. I am hearing a lot of background noise. It sounds like somebody's yeah. playing air hockey. Um uh, I don't know who that is, but That's can, Mark. can can It's
0: got to be Mark. Isn't is that Mark? me?
3: I
2: is think not you. I think Ed's washing dishes.
0: I can't oh, hear it okay. so, but I'm on my headset, so maybe maybe I'll take off my headset and just go to the regular handset. Yeah, I, I, don't,
3: just, I, I don't know. I don't know.
0: It's a
2: clunky it's noise. The, it's a clunky oh, noise. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Oh, it's gone. It's gone. Right. It's, from gone. it's gone. All right. No. Good. It's gone. Okay. We're good. Let's go. <laughs> it well, obviously was bouncing uh, against your head, Ed. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so, so Ed,
1: we we hear stories about Holocaust survivors and the children of Holocaust survivors and the stories uh, are horrendous. Uh, of course, we 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 should never forget. 50 years ago 50 almost 60 years ago what uh happened in nazi germany and and how it could happen again this is the 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 most fundamental uh lesson from what we learned from holocaust survivors is none of these people the survivors the nazis Everyone, none of these people are aliens. They're just ordinary human beings in an extraordinary circumstance under tremendous uh, evil pressure that had to respond. They had to respond. And this could happen again. So we should never forget because we we never want to repeat these errors. But your story, what your mom did, is something that, uh, you know, is. Unique, it is not a story that is often heard We, we, uh, we don't hear this story of ordinary people Just being disgusted and, and reviled By what was going on around them and said to themselves I've got to do something, I've got to do something Give us a little uh, synopsis of what yep. your mom Faced
0: So um... My mom, Stefania Podgorsko, is her maiden name. Uh, she grew up in a small town in southeastern Poland. Uh, it was called Lipa. Um, and I was just there a few months ago. And it's, um, it's uh, you know, off the beaten path for sure. Uh, and um, she had always wanted to go to the big city. So for her, it was a city in southeastern Poland called Przemysz. And uh, it's a challenging, Polish is a very challenging language. So so even my last name is challenging for people. So bear with me with the words. But um, uh, she moved to the city and uh, was working for a uh, family that had a little store, uh, the Diamant family. And um, um, World War II started in 1939. My mom was uh, a late teen uh, at the time. She was born in 1921. And um, you know, people lived together um, well. I mean, people had you know disputes and like normal people do. But then, when World War II happened, some bad stuff started to happen, um, to, particularly to Jewish people in um, in well, all over Europe, but in particular in southeastern Poland. So um, there was a, a, a ghetto that was put together by the Nazis, where they rounded up all all the Jewish people and, and housed them in this area of town. And um, uh, the family that my mom worked for, the Diamants, they were rounded up and and moved into this ghetto. And, um, you know, my mom was just kind of wondering, why was this all happening? I mean, this is just kind of, if she understands that these people are Jewish, but so what? Um, And to her, it just didn't make a lot of sense. Um, to make a long story short there, there was a period when the ghetto was being cleared out. People were being, the Jews Mm -hmm. were being shipped off to concentration camps. And my dad, well, Max, who was Diamat, who was one of the owners, his parents were the owners of the store. He was on his way to a Mm -hmm. concentration camp on a train. He jumped out, um, and managed to jump out through a barbed wire window and made it back to, um, uh, my mom who had worked for them and, um, uh, she took him in because her perspective was this is just wrong you know, just because these people yeah. are have a different last name so she stepped right. up and she she wasn't silent she acted as a young lady right. she you know 16 years um, old yeah she was 16 and when the war started and um, you know got into her early 20s by the time the war ended
1: yeah when you think what, yet, the about the people in this time what do you what do you think the nazis were just the people around they they were the people around that needed someone to blame how did that turn into what it turned into what's your your
0: take on that you know, I learned a lot about that over the last few months when I went there and visited. Because it's, you know, it's it's easy to scapegoat people, but why? Why right. scapegoat these right. people? So I learned, and this came from some local people that I met over there. That um, for a hundred years, the state of Poland, the country of Poland, disappeared under the Austro-Hungarian Empire, and um, the Polish people wanted their country back. They wanted to kind of be a, 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 autonomous again. And the Ukrainian uh, people wanted to uh, to have their autonomy, and they kind of lived together. They were were overlapping in southeastern Poland. And there started to be these these battles for um, uh, statehood, for independence, um, with with Polish people and Ukrainian people kind of starting to have it out in this southeastern part of Poland. And, you know, mm-hmm. there, were, there were a lot of Jewish people in southeastern Poland, and they didn't want to have anything to do with, you know, these skirmishes. They're like, well, you know what? Mm-hmm. We're all right where we are. So, but after a while, these, these battles that were going on, and I, I don't mean battles, I mean like wars, but just, you know, uh, battles between political people in struggles. different communities, political struggles. So apparently Mm -hmm. some, uh, you know, a a lot of the Jewish people were saying, you know, we're just not going to get involved. But over time, they did start to get involved and they started to loan money to one side, to another side. And after a while, when you're having conflict, money runs out. So you have to keep borrowing more. And Mm -hmm. once then there was a, 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 there was a, what's the word I'm looking for? The economy kind of soured. And people, the, the, yeah. these people were running out of money to fund their little battles, their political battles. All of a sudden, right. some people started to say, hey, look, we've got nothing, but look who has the money. So all of a yeah. sudden, their attention turned to the people who were lending them the money. And sure enough, right. that's when World War II started, and there was somebody to blame for their ills and their problems and that's, that's the story that was imparted to me by some of these people in southeastern Poland, why there was a hatred, uh, or maybe right. not a hatred, but a scapegoating, and it was fueled right. by the Nazis. Right, right.
2: Well, you know, you know, you know it's, the same, it, it's similar to, I mean, that's, that's an old story. I mean, you know, uh, same thing happened in France during the revolution. You know, when, when there's mm-hmm. a group of people that have mm-hmm. a lot of stuff, And everybody else is suffering and they want, they, they want what they have and off with their heads, Right. Right.
3: Right. Yep. And you know what what we, I'm sorry. I think it's interesting interesting to note that what people have to put in perspective is what Ed's mom was doing at the time that she was doing it. First she took in Max um, and then wound up, I mean, if, you know a movie was made on this it came out in
0: 1996 uh, hide in plain sight right ed, is that... hit, hit, hidden in silence oh, hidden in silence, silence. and yep. uh,
3: 1996. really really uh uh interesting movie to watch i mean it's just but it really tells uh, i was talking to ed you know where did they kind of miss some points but it's pretty much really the story the way it happened and what's interesting is uh, I talked to a guy once who I was doing a, a taking a group of of high schoolers on a World War ii themed trip in Europe and with Andy Kane and from Miracosta and we had a guy a former guy who had been in the camps he was in his eighties who was our basically our tour guide through this whole time and and you know you you in your mind you go golly I can't believe more people you know why wouldn't people everybody should have been helping the Jews and hiding them in their attics and doing all this. But what you don't realize is if someone, if you're in Nazi controlled territory and you've seen dead bodies out of the street, you've seen neighbors pulled away and and put in front of firing squads, you've seen uh, or just disappeared, you don't know what happened to them. uh, And someone knocks on your door and says, will you hide two Jewish uh, refugees in your crawl space uh, in your attic or in your crawl space uh, above, your, above your ceiling knowing that if you get caught your whole family will probably be
2: slaughtered. Yeah, yeah. And he mm-hmm. said, well, so
3: well, we never, and he said when we because he was a Christian, he said we would never he said my dad never um never held it against them if they turned him down because he said he knew they just weren't willing to take the risk and it mm-hmm. was a real
0: risk. So,
2: Absolutely. You know. Well, Ed, I so. wanted to ask you something. So you said that your mom went to work in the city and she was working for the Diamant family and then they were all rounded up and put in this ghetto. So did she, she did she stay in the city and and yes. and take on all of these people? So,
0: Wow. Yes, she, she stayed in the city. She actually went back to this little town, Lipa to get her little sister, Helena, who was about seven at the time. So she, she brought Helena back to Premish. They stayed in, a, in an apartment that the Diamants owned. They said, please watch our apartment for us. And then Max came to her, and um, they started you know, bringing more people, and she realized that an apartment wasn't going to be big enough for them, so she had to move to a house So she's like, where am I going to find a house? She ended up finding a a little place, a two-room place with an attic. And um, my my dad actually ended up building a little partition in the attic. Um, I guess he was a resourceful guy. He was a a dental student, and he was kind of resourceful. Mm -hmm. So he built this partition, and more and more people started to come. Um, And it turns out there were 13 people that were living. that ended up in, in, Mm -hmm. in this attic and there was this two-room, uh, you know, apartment downstairs, and they were living there for like 18 months. And wow, uh, I mean, there are stories. There's stories that go on, but one of the, a couple of things that I want to impart that are principles that that I carried from my parents um, that you know kind of guide me. You know, there's religion and all that stuff, but then there's then there's examples. My parents are an excellent example of of helping. Um, it, it didn't stop. This helping didn't stop in Poland. When we lived in Brookline, Massachusetts, outside of Boston, uh, my, my parents had a, a small little apartment building, a little brownstone apartment building. And there was a big apartment building next door that went up in flames. There was like 30 apartments, and it was a cold November night. I think it was November. It was really cold. So I went over. I'm looking around, and there are people displaced. They don't know where to go. When I came back and I told my parents, you know, what had happened. They, did, they just looked at each other. They didn't say a word. They looked at each other, mm-hmm. didn't skip a beat, and said, bring them over. So we brought nine people who they didn't know, we didn't know, we stuffed them all over our apartment, and they stayed with us for two, almost three weeks until they can get themselves, um, you know, get their up and running and, and go and find a place wow. to live. And well, you know, another the power- thing that I – Go ahead
2: paying it forward. No, just they paid it forward. It forward. You know, so somebody, I, somebody helped them. They, they reached out and helped others.
0: There is an important thing that I do want to share. And it's actually, it's a timely thing. Well, it's timely that my mom and her sister were, were young women, girls who had a thought and said, this is wrong. And they stood up and did something. They didn't stand by the sidelines. They actually acted to, to, to help not knowing what was going to happen. They had no idea. They could have been killed. You know, Mark was right. My mom, her sister could have been killed, and all these people could have been killed, and there were episodes of that. But when I was growing up, I knew, obviously, about my parents' story, and I was always really wound up and about... You know, these Nazis and these, these uh, neo-Nazi people and that kind of stuff, especially what happened to my, mm-hmm. my, my dad's family. He lost 23 people in his family that were murdered by the Nazis in, in concentration camps. So I always thought to myself, if, if I meet up with somebody who's like from Argentina of German descent, oh, okay, you're, you're, you're a Nazi refugee or whatever, I would be really mm-hmm. angry at those people. So when I moved to Los Angeles, um, I went uh, and started to learn how to scuba dive, and there was a guy in the class who was German from Germany big, big, huge guy. Uh, we got to mm-hmm. be friends and there was um, uh, and we were driving through the Fairfax district one night um, and it was evening, and there was two um, Hasidic Jews that were crossing the street, and they had the paces and everything going on. They were quiet and my friend he says, his girlfriend was sitting in the back. He, he made a comment. He said, uh, my girlfriend won't let me burn them. I said, what? And he said, Adolf didn't finish the job. Oh, I boy. lit up. I'm like, what the hell? Do you know that tw- my parents lost, my dad lost all these people because of people. like mm-hmm. he, he was shocked. He's like, you don't look Jewish. You don't look Jewish. I said, what the hell does that mean? I, got, we were, I was really upset. Drove me home. I called my dad in Boston. I told him the story. And I said, you know, Dad, I'm going to put a bullet in this guy's head. And my father was Mm -hmm. silent on the other end of the phone. And he asked me a question. He says, is he your friend? I said, he was my friend, but not anymore. So my dad was silent for another moment. And he said, listen, if he's your friend, be his friend. He said, don't the hatred from the past and bring it forward. He said, be his friend, maybe you'll teach him something. I was floored by my dad and what he said. Hmm. So I took his advice. We ended up you know, continuing to have a dialogue. It turns out that his parents were prominent Nazis back in, in, in Germany. So we dialogued hmm. about that. We had a conversation. My, he, he watched the movie Hidden in Silence. He came to meet my father. My dad and him Mm. ended up becoming good friends. They were buddies, Um, surprisingly enough, because we connected and we dialogued. And it wasn't him. He ended up going back to Germany, to this little town. He came back a couple of years later, and he was floored because, he says, he grew up with that kind of uh, thought process. But we were able Mm -hmm. to show him that there's a different you know it's they're just people you you know when you when you cut mm-hmm. through the it's them versus us you right. connect on a human level and mm-hmm. um so that's that's just something i wanted to share with with the listeners because it's really important you know always but especially in this time when we've got our country that's taking sides and nobody's dialoguing right. and that's right. dangerous
2: yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, it's, it's dead. Wow. That's what it is. That's what is happening, that uh, as people dialogue and don't uh, communicate and, and the sides become farther and farther apart, in step the unstable people who can't mm-hmm. distinguish between political dialogue and, and, you know, life versus death, then we have these tragedies. Occur, where mm-hmm. these unstable people, you know, have these episodes and and uh mass shootings occur and all kinds of things occur. Well, uh, Ed, what a story. Um uh, the the piece with your 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 uh your mom and dad on Oprah was was very funny and very uh telling and uh very very human and uh, I love the part where your dad says, uh, you know, um she saved my life and uh i figured uh i owed my life to her so uh i married her
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. and he did he, <laughs> you know he, he gave him, he gave her his life
1: yeah oh, i mean wow. you, know, you know wow uh this is uh mm-hmm. this is a this is a uh something for people to really learn from and uh we're we're excited to have you on the show to feature. So here's the shameless uh, plug
0: Here's the shameless okay. plug. Listeners can uh, learn more about my mom and dad uh, yeah. at a website yeah. that we've created. It's called holocaustheroin.com, yeah. www.holocaustheroin.com. So the upshot, the yes. good news is, like you say, there was a movie made about their story. There's a, yeah. a novel that's being written by Scholastic Publishing for the young adult market about my mom's experience through her eyes. And the home, yeah. the house, where my, my mom hid her uh, 13 ghosts, as she call it, is being turned into a museum. So the story is going forward. It's going to continue. That's what's important for me, is to have their story continue beyond me, beyond my children, my grandchildren, so that it is not forgotten because it is such a powerful story.
3: How do your right. kids handle it? What's that? Uh, how you, Mark?
1: Mark's question was how do your kids how do, handle your,
3: kids, what do how, your kids how how have your kids uh, handled this story? Right.
0: You know, I grew up with this. I grew up with in high school. It was 1942 in my house all the time, and I didn't get it. Right. It was it was bizarre <laughs> for me. And there's this important story, and yet I have a, a, a child, and I don't want to thrust this on her. Uh, I took mm-hmm. her to Poland. She, she, met, she met one of the people that was rescued. She met my aunt Helena, who did the rescuing. But at, if she chooses to you know, take the story on, that'll be up to her. I'm just, my job as the, the, the child of, of these people is to keep mm-hmm. the story going, but yet keep right. the balance so that I, I'm a good dad uh, and a good husband and I balance it out.
2: Ed, you know something. I, I you know, I, I'm a reader. I read a ton, and what you just said, I think that is very typical for um, most uh, children of Holocaust survivors. That what you just said about it always being 1942 in your house. I mean, if any of you ever read the incredible book by Pat Conroy, um, good lord, I'm, oh gosh, I'm, just, I'm just blanking on the, on the title now, but it was, a, it was a similar story where a daughter of Holocaust survivors. Uh, that that it, they that generation, many people just never broke out of that. Right. Um, so mm-hmm. it it is a fine line. It's a, it's a fine well, line. What, uh
3: now, what do you mean when you say I, we 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 always it was nineteen forty two all the time? What does
0: that mean? Well, what what? See, my mom did an incredible thing: saving food or hoarding things or no, no yes, that lifestyle or. That, but it cost her her psyche. Um, Mm. She went, she had post traumatic stress that she never dealt with. And so she gave up her life for these people and. She had massive depression. She was always in her mind. She was, quote, in the bunker. She would start crying for no yeah. apparent reason. Yeah. She, you know, I'd open up the closet, and it'd be like half the closet would be full of two-liter Cokes that were on sale. There was cash stored all over the house, like hidden all over the place. Um, yeah. And it, it, you know, it just – you, you couldn't have a conversation because it was just – she was in, always in that time frame.
1: Right. Brooklyn, right. She's hiding cash oh, all over right.
2: the house?
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. Wow. And, uh, yeah, that was. So, uh, there, there, yeah. There's a there's a lot of literature out there about that. A, a lot of uh, you know fiction mm-hmm. and nonfiction that. Uh, so I understand it. I understand exactly what you're saying because I because I've read so much about it. Um, but our parallel, but,
3: our we have a parallel to that though. That some of us grew up with is the grandmother who went through the depression. Oh and, yeah. Oh
0: mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. It was sort mm-hmm. of the
3: same thing, you know. Uh, uh, you know, storing things, uh, mm-hmm. saving things. Um, you know, yep. The food, yeah,
2: no, everything. My, 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 uh, my know, parents. All... My parents lived through two world wars and the depression. You, we absolutely yeah. grew up with that. We absolutely grew up with that. Yep. You know, you didn't waste food. You know, you, yep. you, you, uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of mindsets that you, you prob- most people aren't even aware of because it's something that, as you said, it's right. always there.
3: Yeah. My there's grandmother no. was yeah. always bringing it up, always bringing it up,
0: you know. Yeah. And that, 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 yeah. the, that generation, the generation of our, our grandparents, our parents, you know, they sucked it up. They did what they needed to do. Yeah. Things were tough. And I have to give Mm -hmm. a shout out to the Japanese American community too. My wife's of Japanese descent and they went Mm -hmm. through what they went through during World War II, you know, at the time it was thought that it was the right thing to do. It was a different time, but what they went through, my wife's father, you know, he lost a grocery store that he had in Pasadena and, you know, nothing ever came back, but they, Mm -hmm. they, they sucked it up. They came back and, you know, they, they bounced back. They didn't, I'll say it this way they didn't complain they didn't ask for handouts they just put their nose to the grindstone and you know and 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 overcame and um you know they went through hardships but they didn't begrudge America none of none of my in-laws and begrudge America they just understand it was a different time it was a bad decision but it was it was a different time so and you know I mean it's just
2: And that and that- and that's why it's called Sorry. The Greatest Generation. I mean, because yeah. if those hardships came upon us today, how many people do you think would really be able to work it out? <laughs> oh, my mean, God, God I don't have their, Wi-Fi. Their... What
0: am I going to do <laughs> if my Wi-Fi is
3: gone? Exactly.
2: <laughs> First of all, <laughs> exactly. you've got
3: to make sure they show up on time. They've got to get right, there on right. time. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know what? It's this fascinating. has
2: been – I was just going to use that word, Joe. Fascinating discussion. Um yeah, no. Fantastic. Um but we're running out of time. We got to wrap it up.
0: Yeah. Ed. I,
1: Ed well, what is the what is the website for cha- uh Chamber Marketing Partners?
0: Chambermarketingpartners.com.
1: Chambermarketingpartners.com. How logical. <laughs> and <laughs> kind of we're so huh? thrilled that you could join us. We're so thrilled you could But well, watch us. the chambermarketingpartners.com.
3: Those, those of you listening, watch the movie Hidden in Silence, really. Uh, silence. Um, just uh, Silence. Just, you can get it. I, where did I find it? I, did I find it on YouTube or I, Amazon? I
0: think, you, I, you, I, IMDB. It, IMDB. It's you, and you and it's, uh, it's, it's available silence. for rent at, at uh, uh, Google TV or their their thing. I saw it on Amazon.com. It's there. There's about right. a thousand Prime comments video, on Amazon, it that are interesting. So It's right. yeah. a good yeah. movie.
1: Yeah, excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, of course, uh, the chamber as well as chambers around the country are benefiting from uh, chamber marketing partners' expertise.
3: Thank you, Mark, for joining us today. Happy Friday! Happy Friday. Have a great weekend, everyone.
1: Have a great awesome. weekend. Get it hard, you, everybody.
2: Always a thank pleasure, Jack. Joe. All right, let's See you get our all weekend started. Soon.
3: Let's go. Right.
2: Bye, bye.